start this episode a little bit different but we're still gonna have our mindfulness but uh shout out to the song it's called i am by baby tate featuring flo millie that is one of my anthems right now especially for the topic that we're talking about so we're gonna run it back hey y'all it's me queen J, back with another episode of let's get uncomfortable now I know I have been kind of MIA for a while, or at least to my standards, I feel like I have been MIA because I've had a lot going on for me personally. And it's kind of just been hard to be vulnerable and sharing it. So this is called Let's Get Uncomfortable. And a lot of the times I forget that I have this space where I can release and y'all rock with me regardless of what y'all if y'all know personally what i'm talking about or if y'all don't if y'all can just relate through your own lens that being said i want to make a vow at the beginning of this just to continue to hold myself accountable and not try to glorify healing i feel like i haven't necessarily gotten to the nitty-gritty of where i have been at currently in my healing journey like those near me and close to me know that i am not necessarily feeling like myself right now and they know that me being vulnerable vulnerable is a little difficult right now it's a little it's a little difficult it's a sore spot right now just because this is a different level of vulnerability that i have yet to experience and yet I'm currently experiencing it. So that being said, of course, before I get into today's topic, we're going to do a bit of mindfulness always, starting with mindfulness always. Um, so yeah, it's Queen J back with another episode. Y'all know what time it is. <laughs> it is now time for us to pause, breathe, and relax. It is now time for us to open our mind to learning new ways about how to navigate healing within today's lifetime. It is now time for us to come to terms with heavy emotions and learn how to navigate the difficulty in the journey of healing. It is now time for us to embrace life's obstacles and learn from our mistakes. It is now time for us to shed and grow from the present.
All right, y'all. I hope that that gave y'all peace. I hope that that set your minds at ease. I hope that that allowed you to feel a sense of calmness within your soul, within your spirit. So, like I said, this topic is going to be a bit interesting because it's mainly about the title of the podcast. Let's get uncomfortable. I know I've already done the introduction podcast. And for those of you that are new, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening and tuning in. But it's kind of time to go a little bit deeper into the podcast. I have always wanted a space where I feel like I could be myself without judgment. No judgment, just awareness. And that's kind of been the mantra that I've been saying these past couple of days. Don't worry, this ties into the topic. I have been saying no judgment, only awareness. Because situations in my life have brought out a lot of experiences that I have been removed from, but never fully allowed myself to experience. And what I mean by that is I didn't really allow myself to sit in the uncomfortableness at the time. So now I'm forced to sit in it now. And something that I am learning about sitting in the uncomfortable is that for me, that's just anxiety. For me, that is dealing with my symptoms of having post-traumatic stress disorder and generalized anxiety and coping with the fact that I live my life day by day and by routine. And that is what works for me. But sometimes, sometimes I find myself saying, I wish I didn't have to have such a routine. Like, y'all, it's crazy how much I feel like the tools that I have been given through therapy can sometimes be a hindrance for me because I feel like I live my life so differently from everyone else just because my symptoms are different from other individuals. I'm not saying that there is a blanket state. This is not in any way, shape, or form a blanket statement for anyone that is struggling with mental health um, diagnosis or anything like that. This is just simply me feeling as if in my mind, my story is so different. And that's that's just me. That's my personal thinking. So when you have that frame of thought and you make a podcast and you have these different things that you want to do with your voice, it can be hard sometimes to sit in front of a microphone and say, this is who I am and not be in a space where you're judgmental of yourself. And a lot of the times, honestly... It can be, it can definitely be that way because with understanding that it'd be hard to sit up in front of the microphone, camera, or what have you, and be truly authentic. A lot of the times I am always debating on whether or not I should add this into my podcast because sometimes I struggle. The podcast is called Let's Get Uncomfortable, but I've only talked about things from a lens of, okay, I've overcome that. Now I'm in a state of life where I'm now having to overcome things that I personally hadn't, I honestly hadn't given much thought about until they were presented to me and they became 
experiences that I refuse to actually exist in. And then it kind of turned into my taking my emotions and my thoughts and just holding them in. Like I've had friends in the past few months, past few weeks, even like last week, hit me up and were like, are you doing okay? How are you? And my go-to response was, I'm fine. I'm just a little down right now. And that's it. I don't go any deeper because I felt like, A, it's not their fight. B, it's a little bit of my old patterns coming up where it's like, okay, can I trust that this is genuine? You know what I mean? Because of the experiences that I have experienced lately, I just experienced pain again in a whole different level. I just experienced loss on a whole nother level. I just experienced all these emotions that I experienced as a child from the hand of abuse, from the hand of neglection, whatever you want to call it. I just experienced all that times 10, it feels like as an adult. And I kind of just felt like I couldn't really express it because I'm looking around from a lens of, oh, so-and-so is happy. I don't want to ruin their happiness. I don't want to take their day. I don't want to, you know, kind of tarnish whatever good stuff they got going on because I'm not in the best headspace. But it's come to, I've, I've come to the realization as of today that if I'm going to have this platform for you guys, then I need to be able to share all of it. And right now, um, I got some big things to talk about. So one, I am just update on my healing journey. I do not still want to be on medication. I will say that. I will preface that by saying this. I do not want to need or have a need for medicine. That'll always be true. Because if you've followed along, you know that the medicine has played a part in my abuse. If not, if I never mentioned it, I'm mentioning it now. Long story short, last summer, I filmed a, I was a part of a docuseries called Can You Hear Us? And I filmed this with um, with my friend and co-director of the film, Can You Hear Us? And it recently premiered last week. And it's all about Black maternal health. And it's all about how mental health impacts us on a day-to-day, especially as Black women, but especially in the healthcare field. When we're looking at it from a lens of we need medication and we need assistance or we don't need medication and we still need assistance, it's very hard to advocate for yourself. So my portion of the docuseries was all about how growing up, I felt like I was so different from everybody else. And I still feel that way even as an adult because those were the conditions that I was raised in. And I'm still having to unlearn those conditions. So I said all that to say that I did this documentary. I mean, I I filmed my part in the series. I filmed my part. And I remember watching it back. I was watching it back literally last week. And I was like, there's no way that this is the same person because the last thing that I said was that I was holistically healing and that I was no longer on medication. You can imagine that me currently being on, you know, being able to have the hydroxyzine as needed right now feels like a setback. It does. It feels like a setback because 
I am now at a place in my life where I need a mental tune-up. And I was at a place in my life where I didn't need that mental tune-up. You know, I had gotten all the tools and everything. But I say all that to say this. As I'm speaking about it, I'm understanding that life happens. Sometimes just because you have to go back to therapy after not being in therapy for years doesn't necessarily mean that you're ill. It doesn't mean that you're sick. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. It doesn't mean those those. It doesn't mean those things. It really does not. It doesn't have to have that stigma attached to it because I attach the stigma to it subconsciously, not even noting that it would affect me the way that it did today, but it did. It caused me to think that I was crazy. It caused me to believe all the other individuals that were wrong for me that used to say that I was crazy. It caused me to believe that, but the reality is I'm not crazy. I've gone through experiences that have caused me to react certain ways. And there's no such thing as normal in this world. And I think when I was able to realize that today, it gave me peace. It did give me some some comfort to know like, hey, look, this is really relatable. And I think you should talk about it. Like I had almost the day from hell. And I'll say almost because it could have went so left. Because I didn't stick to my routine. In the past few weeks, I've been depressed. I've been sad. I've been not necessarily lonely, but I have felt more isolated. And I felt like I've been doing a good job at managing it. But this past week, I slipped up. So I mentioned that I have been taking my hydroxyzine as needed. The main reason why I started taking it again was because I started driving more and I started to feel like, okay, I'm having little panics here and there, but I'm not having like anxiety around driving as much because this is, this is helping me, you know, I just started to experience a lot of fear in my life from some of the things that I had to cut off. But let me tell you, first and foremost, it is so easy to say I'm cutting off individuals and I'm cutting off toxicity. But the hardest part about doing that is making sure that you keep yourself accountable. So I have been trying to keep myself accountable and I have been, I have not done any of the things that were toxic in nature as far as reaching out to toxic individuals and giving them access to me. I have not done that. But instead, I subconsciously was turning that toxicity on myself. I started to not drink heavily. I have not been drinking heavily. I want to disclose that. Disclose that first. I have not been drinking heavily. I just kind of started to implement my medication back into my routine. And this was fine. My doctors cleared it. You know, they understood you. You just lost some family members. We understand, you know, like it's okay. It's, you, you don't necessarily need it. But if you, if you feel like you're having a panic attack, if you feel like you, you need this to calm out those those levels of anxiety, then fine, that's okay. Um, just be sure that you're taking it properly. But nowhere did anyone ever say, do not take it and drink or do, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not mixing stuff. That's not what this is. That's not me condoning that. And if, and PSA to anyone that is on medication and does find themselves like going out and doing things like that, be mindful of what you're ingesting in your body, truly. Um, I feel like this might be common sense, but 
whatever medicine that you're prescribed, just make sure that it is not going to be reactive with weed or alcohol. And I'm going to preference that by saying that because that's very important. You have to understand that there is science at work within our bodies every single day. And for those of us that come from mental health diagnosis already, we already have a chemical imbalance that a prescribed medication is balancing out. If that prescribed medication is balancing it out already, and then you take an added substance on top of that, no matter if it's alcohol or weed, whatever the case may be, it's not always going to be a positive outcome for your mental state. And I say that because today, let's get uncomfortable, y'all. Today, I forgot that I have been taking my medication for the past like week or so. And I decided to smoke weed. Now, I did not smoke a lot. I didn't smoke a whole blunt. It, I literally don't even smoke whole blunts. I smoke two puffs. But that on top of all the feelings that I didn't really release, that I never released, all the feelings that I had been experiencing but denying myself at the experience, they all came bubbling up today. And it was like, okay, this is a me day. This is a we need to be honest day. We need to talk about this today. Because it's not that you're feeling like you're going to harm yourself. It's not that you're feeling like you need this. It's not that you're feeling like you're, you did this on purpose. This was a legit accident. But we do need to take a look at our feelings. We need to take stock of that. So I was really overstimulated today. And this is because my routine was jacked up from jump. I woke up this morning... And I woke up thinking, okay, I'm going to the gym. It's content day. I got stuff to do, yada, yada, yada. And I started to feel a little bit overwhelmed with the state of my home, meaning like cleanliness. My home is clean, but I'm starting to understand that I like things to be in a particular order for me to deem it clean. And I felt like my home wasn't in that current state of mind. I felt like I wasn't in that current state of mind. So then what ended up happening was shortly after I'm trying to calm myself down, I'm taking out, I'm doing daily things that I normally do. I'm following my routine as normal, but I started to feel super overstimulated and I just kept telling myself, you're overstimulated, you're overstimulated and you're panicking. Your body is overstimulated and we need to calm it down. Your heart is racing, you know, all these different symptoms. I'm logging it. I'm checking it. I'm not, I'm not to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna just let this shit happen. We just gonna go crazy. It was like, okay, we need to take stock of what we've been doing. We need to monitor this. So I called two people today. Y'all know who y'all are, one of them being my sister and one of them being my friend. And Shout out to them because I could probably not have gotten through this day without someone to just lean on for a moment. And when I called my sister, the realest thing that she said that kind of snapped me out of all the hypersensitivity that I was feeling and all the hyper awareness of the panic attack that I was experiencing, and it was internal, um, was she asked me, okay, so you know that this is what's going on. And I said, yes, I'm 100% positive. 
And she asked me, she said, okay, so I want to know why this happened. What made you do this? Was it an accident or was this, do we need to get to the bottom of something? And I appreciate her for asking that because a lot of times subconsciously we can be going through a lot and not even understand why we're acting the way that we're acting. But a loved one or someone near to us can can pick up on that and be like, yo, you, you good? You're not acting like yourself. You good? And in that moment, I wanted to lie and say like, yeah, I'm fine. But no, I just chose to be honest and say, look, I'm actively choosing me. You know that but I'm not doing the best right now. I just lost my aunt. I just lost so-and-so. I feel like cutting these people off was the great thing for me to do, but I can't help but feel like I did it the wrong way or you know, just basically me invalidating my experiences and my feelings. And that can happen. So we talked through it and it was a long conversation, but we got to the point where I've been wanting to drop this episode for a while because actively choosing yourself is very hard. So this episode, to preference what I'm about to break down into two topics, the first is called battling the anxiety. I'll circle back to that in just a moment because I want to talk about the second piece. Actively choosing yourself is, for me personally, I believe when you actively choose yourself, you are saying to yourself, I know that this situation is something that I am accustomed to. I know that I am used to unhealthy, un, un, non-mutually beneficial, non-one-sided, toxic, non-mutually um, pouring into or mutually receptive or whatever the case of the feeling it's always off, right? It's always an imbalance. If I am so accustomed to that imbalance and I'm so accustomed to that experience, old me would be like, yes, I'm going to choose that experience because you are saying to yourself and to others around you, I refuse to grow. I don't want to sit in the uncomfortable. Actively choosing yourself is, is sitting in that uncomfortableness and saying, okay, I know that I could go back to that. I know that that, that door is open for me anytime, but am I going to? And a lot of the times when we ask ourselves that question, it is so hard to actually stand in it because it's not about just giving up what you once had. I think it's more so about mourning an old life. And honestly, that is what I have been doing these past few weeks. I haven't been just sitting in the uncomfortable and allowing it to actually drive me to speak on it until now because I felt like ain't no way it could be affecting me right now because I dealt with that I was 16 when that happened I was seven you know I was putting an age with the experience and thinking like I should be over it by now thinking it was dumb but when I started to actually talk about it with other people in my life they were like are you sure like I don't think a level of time matters. Those feelings happen. Those experiences happen. And I think we have to get better. And I say collectively, we collectively have to get better at acknowledging our feelings in the moment instead of dismissing them and thinking it's it's nothing. And what's interesting is that this is all about actively choosing yourself, but it ties into battling the anxiety because 
I had an internal panic attack today that very well could have been bad had I not reached out to anyone. And I knew that I was going to end up reaching out to someone. I definitely knew that, but I didn't want to. A big part of me wanted it to be like, look, you were at this stage in your life, so you don't need help, right? You you, you got the tools, you can do it yourself, you can meditate, you can do these things. But at this point of the internal attack, it was, I need to communicate this stuff or I feel like I'm going to combust. I feel like it's going to just be held inside of me and just, I can't release it. So I reached out to two individuals and it made all the difference. It didn't make me feel crazy. It didn't make me feel like, oh my God, I can't believe that they're here. It, it actually made me feel seen more so than I ever have felt seen before because of the fact that I was able to be in my space authentically having an internal panic attack and talk through it and not being dismissed and, and feeling as if my voice doesn't matter and things like that. Because I've gone through panic attacks before where it was just like, okay, get over it. And I want to say this because someone told me this today. Give yourself grace if you're ever experiencing panic attacks. Give yourself grace if you're ever experiencing difficulty around advocating for yourself. Because I had to advocate for myself today. And at every turn that I could have said no, I chose different. And that was what was so crazy because like, I was in the middle of having the panic attack and I'm telling my sister, I'm telling my friend, I knew that this was a panic attack. It wasn't like I was just like, oh, you're crazy. I didn't dismiss that. I immediately was like, okay, what have we done? Let's track our triggers. Let's take the tools under our belt. And that gave me so much hope, y'all. That gave me so much hope because a year ago, hell, maybe even two, three, four years ago, I would not have been able to do that. I would have been begging, calling a million people, scrolling through my phone, but I calmed myself down enough to know you need someone to lean on. You don't need a million people. You need to call just one person and let them know how you're feeling mentally right now. That's it. I don't I don't want to interrupt anyone else's day. I it wasn't like an endless scrolling thing this time where I was going through my contacts and I was like, oh my God, who am I, who can I call, who can I call? I started to feel that way, yes. But once I called two people, once I called the first person that I knew I was gonna call anyway, that calmed me down. And then when I called the other individual and they were like, hey, call me so that I know you're okay, that set everything at ease. It wasn't about my not being there for myself in that moment, I knew that I had to show up for myself by saying, look, you can't, you cannot go through this situation right here alone. My ancestors was speaking with me. As y'all know, I'm really attached to my spirit. I'm really connected to spirit. So my ancestors, my new ancestors were speaking to me and saying like, you got this and, you know, but, and even that was a great comfort as well. But the whole thing that kind of boiled it all down for me was actively choosing yourself gets easier the more that you do it, the longer that you do it. And it doesn't have to be such big things. It can be baby steps. Like for me, 
one of my big things that I was struggling to do today was eat. I didn't feel like I was stable enough to cook. And I was like, you know what? We're going to wait till we stable enough to cook and then we're going to cook. And for me, stability comes with cleaning. So I started to clean up some things and then I was like, okay, I can cook now. Cleaned up my entire kitchen and then I made myself some food. After I made myself some food, I put on my favorite show and I calmed myself down the way that I knew how. And I'm just kind of in awe of it because I could have allowed the anxiety to take over. I could have allowed the manic thoughts. I could have allowed all of it to take over. And I didn't. I didn't. I knew I was going to get through it. But in those moments, I felt stuck. And this is me being completely honest with you. Like This is like freshly after this has happened because I didn't want to forget anything. So actively choosing yourself to me looks like two things. Advocating for yourself first. I mean, whether that's setting boundaries, whether that's stating how you're feeling in the moment, advocating for yourself, however your state of mind is, whatever physical thing is, whatever you don't like, that is advocating for yourself. One First and foremost, because I could have called these people up and I could have been like, okay, I'm having a panic attack and I need y'all to take care of me. And I I could have been a mess, but it wasn't that way. It was actually not received that way. It was received in a loving way where it was, I'm going to make sure that you're okay. I'm going to talk to you for however long you need me to talk to you for. And we're going to make sure that you're okay. That was it you're fine. You will be fine. You're going to get through it. You're fine. And that's what I needed to hear. But in addition to that, advocacy first. So advocating for your feeling, for your feelings, voicing yourself, voicing your concerns with yourself, whether that be, hey, I'm not feeling okay, whatever the case it may be. And the second part is doubling down on that advocacy. Like, I think for those people who are like me and who struggle with reaching out and being vulnerable in that way, especially when they're having a panic attack, I think what it's all about is being able to say, I'm really not okay. Because for me, I found myself wanting to be like, well, no, like it wasn't like that. It was, it was this, but my sister was like, I'm not arguing with you. I'm telling you, I've seen it in you right now. You're not doing okay. And that's okay. You've had a lot of, you know, my sister was reminding me and and my friends were reminding me, they're like, listen, this is not stuff that you just get back up and just walk away from. This is stuff that you got to kind of work out. And that's okay. That's all right. But you also got to work it out in a healthy manner. And that's what I was realizing as I was talking to them. I was like, They're absolutely right. I take full accountability and full responsibility for the way things happen because it was an accident. Honest to God, it was a complete accident. It was a complete accident. This is not to say that because I don't drink for one. I do not drink. I barely even smoke and I barely take my medicine. So it just happened to be a day where I was like, okay, I want to smoke because I haven't smoked in this and I want to smoke now 
but the time frame in which that I smoked was not the time frame that I am accustomed to. So I threw my routine off because I did wake and bake. I never do wake and bake. I have never done it. And I don't know, something just told me to today. Something just was like, oh, well, I'm ready. Like, like I said, it was a content day. I got ready to record. And then I, you know, I smoked and that was all she wrote. But I got so many content ideas as it happened today, as like as I was just in the state of being without judgment. Like I found that the anxiety would spike when I would sit in a space where I was like, you shouldn't be doing this and you probably look crazy and this is this and this and not being my own best friend. So now we have moved on to the, the first portion of battling the anxiety. This is going to be different. Like I said, this is going to be completely different for me to do because I feel like I've been vulnerable, but I haven't been vulnerable like this. I'm talking, y'all going to get the nitty gritty of my healing. I'm talking not just past, but present. So for starters, I recently was in that docuseries and I feel like I was talking about this with my friend today. I feel like I'm a fraud for one because I'm on medication right now or I am taking the medication right now. I'm not on it. I'm just, I, I'm able, I'm, I did it for me. And I'll honest, I'll be completely honest. I lost my first aunt in July. And this is just me being real. I lost my first aunt in July of, of last year. And then my uncle shortly after in th- on Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving day. And then following Thanksgiving, um, just last week, one of my other aunts, uh, passed away. Now her passing is hitting pretty close to home because I wasn't expecting it to happen so soon. Um, and it kind of just, it kind of threw me off. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It, it definitely, and it, it still is because it's so hard to even process it literally because it happened the same day that I sent her messages and that I was speaking with her for the last time and she was a little bit responsive and it was like, whoa, within an hour or two of my talking with my sister about it, about how I was gonna make the drive and like go see her before, you know, because we knew that she was going to pass away, but I just didn't know it was gonna happen that quickly. I thought for sure that she had more time. I mean, I was thinking like she's got at least two weeks for a week or so, but shortly after that we had spoke, I received a phone call stating that, you know, it was the call. And it was so hard to process it in that moment because I'm like, what? what? And this is, mind you, this is before my premiere. This is before the movie premiere. This is before the docuseries premiere. So this is the day before I'm supposed to be, I felt like I had to put on a face and I felt like I had to I had to keep pushing, but I even 
like questioned even going because I was like, I'm not in a state of mind to give this talk to anybody. At least that's how it felt. But I was actually received with open arms on the panel and they were talking about, you know, how mental health impacts our everyday and how we manage it. And I got to talk about how I manage it day to day. But I did leave out that I was on medication currently or not on it. I don't know why I keep saying on. I did leave out that I had started taking it again, but I did mention that I went back to therapy because I've been listening to all of my friends around me and they've all said, it's just a mental tune up. It's just a check in with yourself. It's not to say that you need this. This is not to say that you are at a crisis point in life and that you, this is your last saving grace as it was for me when I first started my therapy journey. When I first became introduced to therapy, that's how it started for me. And I think that's how I chose to look at it from that lens from here on out. And then when I was told, oh, do you even need me? Or, you know, you no longer need me type of thing. Like I call it breaking up with my therapist. It kind of, and in addition to that, Battling the anxiety is difficult. I've talked about overcoming situational anxiety, but when you're battling anxiety within your mind, like that internal anxiety and you're having internal and um, anxiety attacks, first of all, let's back up, rewind, hold up. Rewind, rewind, rewind. This is a trauma-informed educational podcast. So what that means is I am going to break down these terms so that you or others that are probably in your situation or can relate are going to be able to understand their symptoms. When I talk about battling the anxiety, I am going to use terminology from my actual background in this education. So to recap, we were talking about internal anxiety attacks versus external anxiety attacks. Here's the thing, I have transitioned from external anxiety attacks, which are having panic attacks of the involvement of hyperventilating, um, feeling like you can't breathe, not able to, you know, not able to get enough air, um, feeling like you're going to pass out, feeling like it's physically apparent that you are having an anxiety attack. I used to have those quite a lot before I was able to manage those. And for me, some of my symptoms with having an external anxiety attack usually would more so lie in me crying or result in me me crying, um, vocalizing my vocalizing like, oh my God, it feels like this, it feels like this, it feels like this, but, and I, it's just so much pain, I can't move, it's, it's too painful, it's too painful, I can't move. And like, basically shouting at my anxiety the whole time. Coupled with feeling the residual effects of past events happening to my body, okay? So what I mean by that, to break it down, is you're in this heightened state of being, and you are reliving and re-experiencing certain traumas in the present time. 
That is an external panic attack for me. And going from, oh my God, I can't breathe, hyperventilating, and you can physically see it happening like in my face. I'm crying. I'm I'm definitely hyperventilating. I can't catch my breath. Or I'm to the point where I'm not breathing and I'm talking so much that I'm not catching my breath. And in those moments, that is an external panic attack because I'm like, oh my God, I can't. I'm not about to do it because if I do that, I'm probably going to cause myself to have one. But it's basically what you see on TV and how it's depicted. Like, let's say somebody was to get on an airplane and they can't take heights and they start panicking and they're like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. That is an external panic attack. That is the physical outside of a person vocalizing and saying, I am externally having a panic attack. This is the difference between external and internal. Internal is a lot more quieter. In terms of you go through a battle with your anxiety. You go through a battle with your anxiety and yourself. So there is a part of you, and this is just for me, there is a part of you that is battling your present self. There's a past you that is like, no, this is what we're going to do instead. And that can cause friction, which causes anxiety and internal anxiety symptoms are not easy to spot because like I said, mine shifted from external to internal, which means I shut down. I become reserved. I become closed off and you can't tell what's going on in my head because I'm not speaking. And that is the scariest moment because if I don't continue talking, I can shut down. I could have this internal panic attack and no one would know how to comfort me. No one would know how to be there for me because I can't vocalize it because it's so intense. Some of the symptoms with um, internal panic attacks include... um, hearing a negative voice, um, internally feeling like you're vibrating when you're probably actually just sitting still, and then you feel like you're buzzing. Um, You feel disconnected from, from the earth. You don't feel like you're quite there because you're having such an intense battle in your head that anything that someone's trying to communicate to you can get lost because you're not really there. Um, a lot of times I used to say that it was me disassociating and that can, that can be true. That can be part of it because think of it like this. If you don't get that under control, it could cause you to have a dissociative episode because of the fact that you're at war with your mind and you're not speaking on it. The mind is a very, very, very powerful thing. And in all the times that I've had internal panic attacks, I've honestly forgotten that they count as panic attacks because it's happening internally. No one can see it happening. But um, an old friend of mine used to tell me internal panic attacks are like, you're very closed off. You're very not communicative, you isolate yourself more. And then on the inside, somebody could be talking to you 
and you're like half responsive, but you're not as responsive as you would normally when you're not panicking, right? So in the event that you're having like an internal panic attack, this, this old friend would tell me, basically, it's like running around in your own mind with your head cut off. You're running like a chicken with its head cut off in your own mind. And it doesn't show externally because you don't you don't know how to articulate it because it doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel good. Um, of course, anxiety just does not feel good. Anxiety is just extremely uncomfortable. But I kind of used, like I said, I used to have the external panic attacks and now I have internal panic attacks where I actually had an external panic attack uh, about three months ago. And, oh, I forgot to mention the symptom of the external panic attacks. Usually you can't move. I mentioned that you feel the pain, but you usually cannot move. Like you're kind of stuck in that same space um, and you're stuck hyperventilating and you're shaking. And for me, I drop to the ground. Like if I'm standing and I'm having a panic attack and it's external, I'm dropping to the floor because my legs can't, for some reason, my legs just give out every time. Three months ago, when I had this panic attack, I was going through something that was so lonely for all women to have experienced. Possibly, I'm sorry, on on behalf of all women and on behalf of all the people that put us in those positions where it's it's our fault only and we're in a we decision or in a we situation and it then gets led put on us as if we're the only persons that's involved. I'm sorry. You don't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. And I've said that before and I will keep saying it. So I was put in a situation where I was taking care of myself, going to a doctor's appointment. And this doctor's appointment was was pretty heavy. I mean, it was pretty heavy. And um, I had just felt violated previously. And it was just, it was a lot of uncomfy emotions. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot that was going on. I was very panicked. But I drove myself anyway to the doctor alone. Now, mind you, I didn't think that I could rely on any of the friends that I have, not because that they haven't been good friends to me, but because I did not want to be a burden to anyone. I wanted to handle it alone. I wanted to be a soldier, and that was my decision. So this is not to say, why didn't my friends go with me and nitpick? No. I specifically did not tell anyone except for one individual that this is what I was doing because I needed to get it off my chest, but I still didn't want anyone there with me. For some reason, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that this is not me putting a burden on anyone. So I just did not have anyone there with me. But the nurses took care of me. The the doctors took care of me. I got down to like the little waiting room where you go check in and this is where things took a turn. I got into my car. I drove all the way there, drove all the way to the hospital. No problem. No problem. No, no issues. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. As I'm trying to say no issues, it just 
dawns on me what I actually did. Scratch that. I'm human. That's not what happened. Rewind. Okay. So I was driving in my car after leaving the gym. I worked out at the gym, but I was terrified of what was going on with me. So I didn't stay very long. I ended up going back into the locker room and talking to like a Planned Parenthood type of deal situation. Um, uh, Facility, I guess. I was just talking to them because they were able to comfort me. And I couldn't remember like the, the other numbers. So I was talking to them and, you know, just trying to figure all this shit out putting a lot of pressure on myself, had a whole bunch of stress. I was coming out. Like the lady even said on the phone, shout out to her. She even said, she was like, listen, I can hear it in your voice. You are stressed about this and you have every right to be, but we're going to do the best to take care of you. We're going to take care of you. You're going to make it through this. And I don't know, man, it, it helped me. It gave me comfort, but I drive myself to the hospital because that's where my checkup is. I drive myself to the appointment and I go down the stairs and I have my face mask on at this point. I'm, I don't know, I, I start to go down the little hallway and all of a sudden it was like the floor came out from under me, the room was spinning and I'm hyperventilating on the floor and it wasn't like I I just was like kind of just sitting there I wasn't like convulsing or anything I was just sitting there and I was just like my vision got blurry because when you're breathing fast your vision gets your vision gets blurry you 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 have those tears um trigger warning to anyone that is does experience anxiety this is gonna like I said this portion of it is gonna be uncomfortable so if you guys need to take a moment, do what you need to do to take care of you, to listen, to keep listening, that's fine. If you need to pause it and just skip through this, like I'll do my best to try to figure out where I start to talk about this or I'll even like post on my Instagram, like, hey, we're talking about battling the anxiety today or something. I'm going to make it so that those of you who don't want to experience this with me do not have to. Because if you experience it on your own, maybe you can relate and i i commend you on listening you know awesome but if you feel like this is going to cause you to be in unrest in any way in any way shape or form please do what you need to do to take care of yourself you can pause this and go back you can skip this if you if you still hear me going on and you don't want to hear it that's fine but i just feel like this part of the education is so important because a lot of us tend to say, oh, I had an anxiety attack. Oh, I had a panic attack. But the thing is, there are many different ways to have a panic attack because our minds are so different. Our minds are so powerful. So I'm speaking on my experience because it's important. As much as I was ashamed or not ashamed or just kind of in shock about the debut of the docuseries and my talk and my story and everything. I have always wanted to use my voice, my story to inspire others. And there's no other way for me to do that without being real with you guys. 
So we like family, we're warriors, and we're going to get through this. But we got to talk about it to get through it. We got to release it to move on. We got to release it to move forward. So I, I just had to put that in there. After everything was said and done, I was panicking. I was clearly upset. The lady, the nurse was like holding, like I fell and I didn't exactly like fall, fall. Like I fell on the floor and I hit my knees, but I'm used to that. So it didn't hurt or anything, but I like leaning on this, this nurse, you know, and she's like, oh, oh my God. Like, you know, there's a security officer. And one of my biggest fears in life is that I will have to be hospitalized. I don't know. I think maybe because that's, for me, there's a stigma there. I don't think there's anything wrong if you actually need to seek medical attention. I do not. I want to put that disclaimer there too. But for me personally, because of the way my anxiety is and and the way that I've experienced life, that is something that is genuinely terrifying for me because I have witnessed people go into the hospital and don't come out. I have witnessed people get put into those positions and and I have witnessed, like I have literally seen a member of my family get dragged to a hospital and they're pleading like they don't wanna go. I have literally seen that. So that for me is scary because I've always wanted to be heard and understood and and listened to and valued. And I feel like when a person is put in that position where they are to be restrained or hospitalized, I do not think that they do it in the best way possible to care for the individual. I do not. I have seen it happen. I have seen it happen so many times. I have seen it happen with myself and it is very hard and frightening if you're in the midst of a panic attack to see that people are trying to help you. So I understand that is a very real possibility. And I used to talk about that with my therapist and I'll talk about that on another part, but I just want to say, I don't have anything against you needing to seek 911. I do not have any issue with that. If that is what you need to do, you do that. I personally cannot do it because hospitals already give me anxiety. So I can't do that. <laughs> that just would not work for me. I wouldn't be able to calm down. I It just doesn't work. And that's just me. So basically at this point in the, in the story and in the event that in the experience of what happened in the panic attack, I'm breathing, but I'm hyperventilating and I can't see because I'm crying at the same time. So I'm just like, and at this point, the lady is like directly in front of my face. And she's like, look at me, focus on me, breathe. I need you to breathe. I need you to breathe. No, not like that. I need you to breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And I'm like, fuck, I thought I'm doing it, but I'm still hyperventilating. And I'm like, I'm finally, there comes a moment when you're panicking that you realize You need to do what these motherfuckers is telling you. Excuse the language, but you need to do what these motherfuckers is telling you. You need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And if someone is actively trying to give you help, you can't just turn it away because you think you got the best answer. And that's what was going on with me. It was like, 
nah, I got this. I am breathing, but I'm actually having a panic attack and I need help. So that was the only thing that I was able to actually say. I need help. That's the only thing I was able to say. I, I need help right now. And the moment that I said that, the woman just said, okay, look at me. I need you to breathe in. I need you to breathe out. I need you to breathe in, hold it. And I need you to breathe out. The whole time I'm still panicking. I am still very much in this panic attack. And this woman is so kind and thoughtful. She is staring me directly in my face. There's a security guard who works for like some protective services type of thing to make sure that people are okay. He works in wellness in some capacity and security. And he comes over to me and he goes, do you need a wheelchair? And I'm like, I, something to do with image. I think I am a bit of a perfectionist. Something to do with image in my head told me to say no. But I knew that the moment I got off the ground, I wasn't going to be able to walk. I wasn't going to be able to walk. I was not going to be able to walk. My legs were going to keep shaking and I was not going to get there on time. So I looked at him and I said, yes. And this is the first time in a panic attack where I actually was able to vocalize what I needed. Usually it's been, what do you need? What do you need? Talk to me. Talk to me. What do you need? What do you need? And I can't vocalize it. I can't say anything. And that's scary as hell because like I said, they don't know how to help you. So they're going to help you the best way that they know how. And that's not always necessarily what's going to work. It's not going to work. You have to be able to advocate for yourself. So basically they gave me a wheelchair. They wheeled me into the little, the office, the, the, the guy, the maintenance guy saw everything happening. And he was like, don't worry about them. You need to take care of you. You're number one. And I'm never going to forget that because even after all was said and done and I was wheeled in there and I got out of the chair and I was able to do everything on my own. He was like, you focus on you. Don't worry about this situation. Don't worry about that situation. You are number one. You are a priority. I go back and I do all my tests and everything. And I'm just talking everything out. I run into this beautiful nurse, just beautiful soul. When I say beautiful, I mean she has a beautiful soul, a beautiful heart. I could tell. Beautiful energy, beautiful aura. And I'm saying how I felt about this whole situation, how I don't want to feel used, how I don't want to feel down. I don't want to feel all these different things. And she's telling me, you have a foundation that you built, but your foundation lies in spirit. Your foundation lies in God. I'm not sure if you're very religious, you know, all these different things. And three months ago, when all this was happening, one of the doctors was talking to me and he was saying, there are people that are, that have it worse than me. But I don't think he was saying it in a malicious way. I think he truly meant it in a way like, you have to be proud of your journey. You have to be proud of how you were able to advocate for yourself in this moment and say, I'm having an anxiety attack. I need help. Because there are a lot of people in this world that do not have the ability to say that. Because I was one of those people. I used to have panic attacks every single day every single night when I was growing up and I only told a handful of people and to this day I don't even think the people closest to me knew because 
I didn't tell anybody when I had them. Like I genuinely just would cry myself to sleep when I had them because I couldn't calm myself down. And I know that sounds so crazy. That sounds so wild to say I was having panic attacks as a child, but no one was there for me. And it's not to say that they couldn't be there. It honestly isn't. The fact of the matter is, as a kid who's panicking, it doesn't look like a kid who's panicking. You know, I talked about that too on the panel. It doesn't look like a kid is a kid panicking does not look like what we expect the kids look like when they're panicking. It don't look like it. It honestly looks like they're having fun. If a kid is, if a child is panicking, they, they don't look shocked because they don't know. They don't know the difference between anxiety and joy. They don't, they don't know the difference between those emotions yet. So it doesn't look like that. Like a lot of the times when I was a kid, I can vividly remember a smile on my face, but on the inside, I was actually terrified as fuck. And I just couldn't vocalize it. I couldn't put that into words because I didn't have that tool yet. But I knew that when something was off with me or when when I didn't like something, and if it was pushed enough, like there's a limit for everything. So I knew, I knew that like, if it kept going, I wasn't, I wasn't cool with it. And I would vocalize it then. But by then it's already happened a couple of times. So people are like, well, you just, you just, you didn't say anything earlier. Why didn't you say anything earlier? You clearly must have, da, 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 you know, all filling all the blanks. And like I said, there is a huge difference between an adult having a panic attack and a child having one. And I'm understanding that I used to have a ton of those I actually remember having one during high school and this is kind of when I was able to be like, okay, I'm having something, but I didn't know what it was. It, it, it just kind of felt like, it, it, I don't know. It kind of just, it kind of felt normal at that point. It was, it was, it was routine. So when I'm like full on hyperventilating in front of my mom, and my mom is like, I don't think you should focus on that. I think you should focus on this. And I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, in my head, I'm not understanding what's going on. I'm not understanding because I'm thinking this is normal. But to my mom, this is the first time that she's ever seen me experience this. And I'm hyperventilating to the point where I can't move. And she's on the phone saying, do I need to call someone? What, 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 how, how do I handle this? And I think anxiety is a bitch because there's no set rules when they come unexpected. There isn't, especially for a loved one who doesn't even see that you have it. I'm not saying that people just didn't pay attention to me and that it was just plain obvious. I'll say this. In high school, I had a, a solid group of friends that knew what was going on when I started to hyperventilate. That's it. They didn't know about the buildup leading to it. They didn't know about that because I didn't realize there was any. To be completely honest, I did not realize that there was a buildup until it became me hyperventilating. I remember there was a time when 
I got so panicked because I lost something and that my mom was going to be so upset. And I had two friends that were like, okay, Janae, just breathe. We'll find it. We'll find it. I know it's important. We'll find it. It's okay. We'll find it. And it was just like, damn, I feel so stupid. Like even back then I would always judge myself on how I was feeling. And that's the difference between who I am now and who I was then. I would never have gotten to the point where I say, okay, no judgment, only awareness. That's not how I was. It was awareness and judge, girl. Awareness and judge the hell out of you because you crazy. If everybody is pointing the finger at you and saying that you're crazy, then that must be true. And that was the reality that I once existed in. And very recently, I know that's not true. It's a stigma that has placed been placed on mental health. Mental illness, mental health, mental health diagnosis, whatever you want to call it, we all fucking have it because we all fucking have a brain. Some of us have a chemical imbalance that ain't even talked about. But the thing is, we all deal with it in our own way. Like, we live in a world, and I grew up in a world in a society where mental health was not fucking talked about yet at all. So me already being self-aware at such a young age and saying something's not right, something's not right, and having other people tell me, oh no, you're just crazy, gaslighting you into believing something totally different and you don't even realize what gaslighting is then. And like, it's so surreal to look at it from this lens, but when all of that was occurring, when I had that external panic attack, it didn't last hours. Hell, it didn't even last a few minutes. It probably lasted probably five minutes in total for me to pick myself up, take myself into the room and talk my shit out. That's not to say it wasn't easy. That's not to say, <laughs> that is, a, sorry, I said that wrong. That's not to say it wasn't, it. Fuck. That's not to say it wasn't hard. That's not to say it wasn't hard because it was. It was because I had to understand like you are alone in quotations. You are quote unquote alone in this situation right now. And you have to make the choice that best suits you. And that's when choose yourself actively started to come about in my life. Three months ago, I started to implement day by day actively choosing myself actively choosing different. The past few weeks, I've had toxic situations come popping up and I've been met with the choice of, am I going to go back to what I'm accustomed to or am I going to choose better? Because if I want better, I have to do better. I have to make the choice for me to be happy every moment of the day. I'm not saying that happiness is is infinite and I'm not saying that I'm not going to have lows. What I'm saying is in those comfortable things and my best friends, all my friends around me have been saying, Janae, we're here for you. But I kind of was just, (laughs) I was existing in bliss. I was existing in bliss. I was existing in ignorance. I was ignoring my feelings. I was dismissive of my thoughts. And that's why everything came to a head today. Granted, it did bring me battling the anxiety, you know, the the segment, (laughs) 
but was it avoided? Yes. Was was it avoidable? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. But I also understand that nothing in life is just a coincidence for me. Everything that I have ever experienced has led me to sharing my story in some capacity. And giving myself grace is just the first step. So to wrap all this up, I am currently taking hydroxyzine as needed when I experience elevated levels of anxiety. And I am now going to be talking with my therapist about said uh, panic attack. (laughs) And I am going to actively choose me without judgment. Only awareness. If I could say one last thing, I'm going to tie in some mindfulness here. I just want the listeners to understand that if you can relate to this episode in any way, I see you and I'm with you. And I know how hard it is to do your everyday things because you just don't feel like doing it. I I completely understand a thousand percent. And another thing I want to point out is if you or someone you know ever sends you a message where they are vocalizing their feelings about their mental health, the best thing to do is be there for them. Or the best thing to do is to ask them gently, what is it that, how can they be there for you? I think the question that used to kind of be a trigger for me was, what do you need? Because it was never said in a gentle or a loving tone. It was always, what do you need? Like, oh my God, what do you need? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't gentle. And I think for me, a better question would be to ask, how can I be there for you during this time? You know, not pressing the issue and asking like, well, what are your symptoms? What are you, you know what I mean? Because the moment that someone says, I am having a panic attack, believe them. Because the thing is, everybody panic attack look different. This has been Queen J with episode, I don't even know what episode we're on. I'm going to say we're in our 20s. We are in the 20s, but I don't know exactly which one. I'll edit that later. <laughs> but this has been Queen J with Let's Get Uncomfortable. As always, you guys can follow me on Instagram at um, officially Janae H. That is officially J-A-N-A-Y-H. No spaces. And the podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And Patreon is still up and running. I just have to put out some more content for you guys. Bear with me. Patience is patience is necessary right now. Give my give me some grace and I'm going to give y'all some grace too and I'm going to give myself some grace. <laughs> but I got things in the works. Um also something that I 
haven't talked about um, as of recently. I have a blog that actually documents my healing journey, um, but I kind of put it on pause after the last post because I didn't think it was necessary anymore because I had this podcast, but that is going to be revamped very soon. I have some things coming out for you guys that I'm so excited for you guys to be a part of. And again, thank you for seeing and hearing me. I love you. And I love you all. And that's it, y'all, because I don't got nothing else to say. All right, peace.